Aloha and welcome to UHA's Connecting the Dots podcast. I'm Rachel Pocaro of Hi Now. Connecting the Dots starts now. Today, we're connecting the dots on lifting the veil on mental health with Dr. Mestisa C. Gass. Mestisa is a program director for Mental Health America of Hawaii. She is co-chair for the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention, Hawaii Chapter, a member of the Mental Health Task Force and Statewide Suicide Prevention Task Force, and an advisory board member for the Waipahu Aloha Clubhouse. Since 2006, she has been working in Hawaii, being originally from the Appalachian Mountains. She is passionate about bringing education, support, and resources to all communities, especially rural areas like those in which she grew up. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Okay, we're going into the first question. What is mental health? That is a seemingly very simple question, but it has a lot of different kinds of answers. So I think that when we just boil it down, mental health is basically a state of well-being. It really helps us cope, connect, and learn. And there can be a lot of different aspects to it, like emotional, psychological, or even social. Gotcha. A lot of different aspects. But how does mental health affect your body and your mind? We talk about uh, mental health and the connection. What we really need to focus on is that there is a very strong connection between the body and the mind. So for example, if we just focus on the body, when we get stressed, it does respond in really specific ways. So you might get that muscle tension. You might get those gastrointestinal issues or even headaches. And then when we start talking about the mind, what most people don't recognize is very connected is that they can also have things like issues with attention, concentration, and memory, and even problem solving. Because there's so connected, our mental health is absolutely involved in it and integral to it. And we have to figure out how we're going to cope. We have to think about what skills we're going to need to be able to bring those stress levels down and to help our minds and our bodies cope better. Right. And I feel like a lot of times you don't even know what your state is, where you are at with your mental health. So what are some signs of a good mental health state versus a poor one? So I like to think about it kind of differently, I guess, maybe the, the mental health is more like on a spectrum. When we really think about it in terms of like, is there mental distress? Is there, you know, is there a diagnosis? Are there mental health challenges? And kind of on the other end of it, you know, is a person mentally healthy? Are they able to do the things they need to do from day to day work relationships, but it's also a little bit more complex because maybe you're functioning really well at work, but you have a relationship that's really been difficult and challenging. And so when you find your coping skills, very effective in one area, It's not as effective in other areas. And so it can be that complicated. And to think about, you know, how am I going to grow and how am I going to heal in all these different areas is part of figuring out how to have good mental health. Gotcha. And a part of that is being able to check in. So what are some ways that you can check in with your mental health state, whether you're at home or you're at work, what can you do? I think the first question is just to ask, like, am I okay? Like, how am I doing from the day to day? Am I able to do, and we call these like ADLs, but it's like your daily activities. Are you showering? Are you exercising? Are you eating well? Are you connecting with your social support system? And then we will, if we take a bigger picture, I think is kind of the best way to say it. We start to ask questions like, am I having positive experiences or am I doing things that I thought would be fun and I just don't feel fun anymore? It just feels even more exhausting. Um, we also start to ask like, do you have life meaning? Do you feel like there's purpose that keeps you driven? So you look at the day-to-day, you take a much larger picture out and you start to ask like, how am I keeping motivated and what do I need? Like, what do I really need and where can I make those changes? Gotcha. And I mean, that 
really has to go with being in tune to your body and yes. your mind and all of those <laughs> things. So you really have to know yourself. And I think it's, it's interesting because over time we tend to change. So things we're always having to ask the questions to ourselves to make sure that we're really checking ourselves, like you were saying. Absolutely. And I think that's the interesting part is that if you asked us two years ago, like maybe what was working for us, what gave us meaning, you'll find a lot of people shifted in the last two and a half years and they'll tell you very different answers now. So for personally, I would have said like, oh, I'd love to garden. And now I'm like, I garden almost every single day. It's really given me meaning. So you'll hear a lot of people talking about that shift and that change. Wow. Very interesting because a lot of people don't think that they think that they're, you know, looking and, and, and knowing the same things over and over, but really checking in, even asking the same questions over and over to yourself, because they're going to change, like you said, with the times and with COVID and all of that, your outlook on life and aspects, things have definitely gone in down a different course or a different path. So very important to check in on yourself. And, and if you don't, there could be some consequences. Are there any health issues that may arise when your mental health isn't addressed? When we start to think about our mental health, some of the things we can think about is basically like stress and anxiety and how that has built up for us. What we know is that over the past two years, our foundation of where we typically hold ourselves, like what's my normal day-to-day level of stress has actually gone up. And I think that you hear people talking about like, I just can't watch the news anymore. I just can't have one more thing kind of added onto it. And it's because our level from day-to-day has gotten much higher. And the thing that we have to think about in that is that our bodies respond. Our bodies respond to stress. You're going to have those things we talked about earlier, those headaches, stomach issues. It can even compromise your immune system. If you're stressed for a really long amount of time, you're going to have a lot of like things like tension, headaches, uh, muscle soreness. But if you have physical health issues, it can also worsen the experience of those. So people, unfortunately, who experience things, for example, like chronic pain might experience a higher level of, of pain on really stressful days. And that also can be attributed to those things like the muscle tension and the headaches, just adding on to that experience. So we have to have that connection again, like having your primary care physician work with your mental health provider and checking into making sure that they're not connecting and kind of increasing your experience of those physical symptoms. Gotcha. And now what may stop someone from actually getting the help that they need? I wish it was one answer because then we could spend all our time and effort kind of going after that, right? We'd say (laughs) that's the thing and that's what we're going to work on, but it's so complex. Like everything related to mental health, we know that there are things like stigma just from cultures and family systems. And for a lot of different reasons, the silver lining in the past two years has been that people are becoming more comfortable saying, I'm not okay. Like I'm having a really hard time and starting to advocate for themselves and for their workplaces to say like, we need more support poor. We, we are struggling just from the day to day. And when we start to look at that, that part of stigma, that part of judgment and how that impacts accessing care, we also start to look at other things like, am I experiencing high levels of stress? And so I'm avoiding adding anything else on. Is there a history within my community where they haven't felt very supported by their providers, or I've had a personal difficult um, interaction with a provider. And so I'm really hesitant to move forward. There could be a lot of different reasons that someone might struggle to get care. But I think, you know, for me, it's just to say it's, it's, try it. If it's not your fit, try something else, go somewhere else. There's going to be a fit for you. And if someone has a problem with the fact that they're not your fit, that's not your problem. That's theirs. (laughs) Gotcha. 
And we're talking about getting the support you need. Um, that can yes. be, you know, at home that goes back into the workplace because a lot of the stressors, they come from your work life, perhaps. Um, yes. So what types of support can employees typically expect to seek out um, from most workplaces? I know we've kind of mentioned EAP programs before, time off, um, paid FMLA, all of that. Those are all programs that you can absolutely look at. Um, some people aren't as familiar with like, the Mental Health Parity and Addiction Equality Act. And I would recommend looking at it. I know it doesn't sound like exciting reading, but it kind of is. And it's really specific to certain groups. And there are exclusions. And basically what it says is that when you have mental health benefits, that a large insured provider has to make sure that those mental health benefits are equal to the physical health benefits that are laid out in the plan. And that's really important to know because that means there aren't going to be limits outside of what you would expect for the physical health issues for the lifetime um, or annually. And so if you're wondering what your benefits are, I really do recommend like reaching out to HR if you're comfortable or contacting your insurance providers just to kind of get a detail of what that looks like and to make sure that you don't fall into the exclusion range. And that typically is um, a business that is like self-insured, smaller, and with employees of 50 people people or less. And now what are some tips that parents can use to get their kids to start thinking about their mental health? Because it may start at a very early age. When we talk about working and, you know, just introducing these ideas to children, the first thing to think about is how we normalize it. How do we normalize talking about emotions so that it doesn't feel odd? Like they're like, what are you doing? Why are you talking about this? And the wonderful thing for guardians and parents is to model what you want to see. So talk about your own mental health in an age appropriate way, practice those coping skills in front of them, ask them to join you. If you're going for a walk, say, Hey, do you want to come with me and just have them practice with you? And it starts to build this awareness that like, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to reach out for support. And I think when we review support ideas and plans that we often exclude the little ones, but we, we shouldn't, we should talk to them and say like, who are you going to call when you feel sad? Do you know your grandparents number? Do you know your best friend's number? Um, and when we talk to our teenagers, when they are having a hard time, of course, we want them to talk to us or their peers, but also make sure that they have crisis numbers saved in their phone, because it could be for someone they know. It could be someone they run into. If they have it, they don't have to find it. And it makes them feel more comfortable and confident. Absolutely love all of those tips. I've got a couple of little ones at home and they're just very young, but um, experiencing these emotions and um, seeing how they cope with certain problems, um, sibling rivalries. And I mean, they <laughs> get along so great, but the yeah. second they don't, it's like trying to find a way for them to express themselves um, without losing control, you know? And so definitely a lot of great tips. And, and, and like you said, just as a parent, I should be modeling some of the, the behavior and how I take on challenges or, or what I do with my feelings and how I talk that out. So yes, definitely seeing that already with my babies. So thank you for, for sharing. Um, now, how can someone help a family member or a loved one who may be experiencing mental health issues? I say keep it simple and be a non-judgmental listener. The best thing that you can do is just be there. Be there and be a good listener. Um, support them. And, and love them and tell them that you do. And then ask them what they need. Sometimes they do know, they know what they need. And it's really nice to be able to give that to them. And then if you're not sure, get more informed, improve your mental health literacy, learn about those crisis resources. And if the person that you care about does have mental health challenges that include safety issues, make sure everyone in that support system has those same crisis resources so that you're prepared. 
Gotcha. And now what is Mental Health America of Hawaii and what do you do? We are a nonprofit that has been serving Hawaii. We just had our birthday, so we just reached 80. So we've been around for 80 years. Uh, we promote mental health and our wellness through education, advocacy, service, and access to care. And we do focus on um, in like decreasing stigma. We'd love to end it, but we really focus on decreasing as much as possible so that people can get that access to good mental health care and quality care and making sure that that is available for everyone. Awesome. Well, congratulations on the big eight zero. Thank you. Know, thank you. <laughs> a huge milestone there. Now, what are some ways that you can get involved with mental health advocacy right here in Hawaii? I would recommend thinking about what you're passionate in because there's so many ways to do that. I sit on a lot of different boards and a lot of different places. And the number one thing is like, find what you're passionate about. If you're wanting to learn more about mental health, you can call us here at Mental Health America of Hawaii at 808-521-1846. And we can connect you to those task forces. We have them, including like the Mental Health Task Force, which looks at legislation and bills that are coming through that are based on mental health. And they do talk about where your advocacy can come in and writing testimony. But we also have them specific to things like suicide prevention. We have a statewide task force, one for each island. Um, There's just a lot of different opportunities. But something that you can do today and pretty much every day that you want to is to find those mental health posts and to share them and to think about how that actually normalizes the conversation and starts to decrease stigma when you just put it out there like, you know, sometimes we don't feel okay and here's some resources. So I actually think that's a really easy way to get involved in starting that advocacy step. Very awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today, sharing your thoughts and all of the knowledge that you carry with you. We really do appreciate your time. Thank you, Dr. Gass, for helping us connect the dots on lifting the veil on mental health. Connecting the Dots is a UHA-sponsored podcast. UHA was founded by physicians, and the caring that physicians have for people really powers our company. We help businesses create healthier workplaces. We make accessing care simple for our members. And we strongly support our community. This year, UHA celebrates 25 years of better health, building connections with people through a caring heart. That's UHA Health Insurance. Visit uhahealth.com.